Hey, this is Jeff Dolan with Wave. We are live at the Craft and Commerce Conference in Boise, Idaho. And it is a beautiful day. I'm with Matt Ragland, who is a YouTuber extraordinaire mm -hmm. and uh, is from Nashville. I'm excited to see you again, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been too long. I've said that a hundred times, but us especially, I really haven't seen you in like five years. I know. So it's, a, it's a pleasure, yeah. I moved, moved to the coast of North Carolina. So, um, but man, my heart misses Nashville mm. for sure. Yeah. And the people, most of all, right? Absolutely. It's always the people. And the creators that are here at this conference are just my people. I mean, it's just amazing. Amen. So, all right. I got three questions for you. Do you think content creation on social media is a new art form? Yes. Or just marketing for something else? Both. Ooh, Okay. A lot of people use it as marketing for something else. That's what I have tended to do. But I have seen over the past year and a half that, I mean, I was talking with Leslie about TikTok where she was telling me that I need to get on TikTok. And you know that, I mean, if whether you want to call TikTok, social media, or a whole new video platform, I think it's the latter, uh, even though I'm not as invested in it as I should be. But like, it is a whole new, it is a whole new art form, like short form video is not just like a little thing that you do before long form video mm. or even before YouTube. It's like people will only do TikTok. Right, right. And that's where they will build their mega base before they, you know, then maybe they do start a podcast or whatever. But yeah, I think it's a whole new thing. And it can also be marketing for something else. So I think it's, I think it's both and, but, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talked about this years ago, which is the better that you get at being really, good about what that platform wants and not just like transferring content, mirroring content, repurposing, repurposing yeah. but you're actually contextual, contextual content yeah. in those platforms is super valuable. So yeah, I think it's both and, but obviously I think it's more valuable when you can make a short, when you can make social content that is unique to the platform, it's going to do, it's going to do really well. Right. I mean, look at Twitter threads is another example. Like people don't, people don't write blog posts anymore. I mean, I'm sure many mm. of you listening do, but mm. uh, people that like, I read so many Twitter threads. I read 10 times as many Twitter threads as I do like actual blog posts. That's so interesting. You know? Yeah, that's fascinating because that almost in the writing format is the TikTok of blogs. It is, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it's a good way, to, good way to think about it. Wow. And it's much more like, yeah, it's much more copywriting focused as well. And it's just like short, punchy sentences. So there's a whole, there's like a whole piece of it. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good insight. What in your experience is the best marketing method or strategy for growing an audience online? I do think that it's changed. I and mean, like we, Kara, Kara was talking about how it, you see business blueprints and they're two years old. I love the comparison of things being in dog years. They're like, oh yeah, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Many moons ago, there was once a playbook that was profitable. <laughs> so I think now that the best way to do it, and I would not have said this maybe even a year ago, mm. is I do think that public platforms are the best top of funnel that you can have. 
I think that, um, now granted, big caveat that I'm admittedly not all that great at SEO. So if we're talking about websites and blogs and like people coming to your website, I think, and what I've seen talking to people is there's just less of that happening. Mm-hmm. You have to be active on a public platform in order to get people to your website. And a lot of times it's like, and then when they're at your website or a landing page for an email list, I still believe and have seen both from my work and clients that my agency works with, that the people who in who gather and engage consistently, like weekly, I'm saying weekly email newsletters, they make the most sales of their products, of their consulting, of their courses, of their offers, because they're, they're building that connection. But I do believe, and this is something, again, I've changed my, I've changed my mind on, because uh, I've just seen it happen, both for myself and for others, that that top of funnel should be on a public platform, whether mm-hmm. it is like, I'm making YouTube videos, I'm writing Twitter threads, I'm making videos on TikTok, LinkedIn is like, massively undervalued by most people. Now, LinkedIn is not a great fit for everyone, but if you're doing business, creator, like even writing, like there is an audience on LinkedIn and they are super engaged. So that all of that has been very, but the, the overriding principle is that the top of funnel really has to be on a public platform. And then you push that to some of your less public, even a podcast. Yeah. Like, You'll see a lot of podcasters now that are writing threads, that are doing social videos to drive back to uh, build more awareness, which has always been challenging for podcasts. Yeah, I mean, that's what Wave does, right? We're helping podcasters get on social media and share their audio in a way that can grow audience. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, LinkedIn and TikTok right now mm-hmm. are the two platforms that still allow new people that don't know you to see your stuff, yep. right? And so, and that changes all the time. It really does. And, and they might shut that down at any mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. So new platforms come up, they want to build an audience. So they, they cross pollinate all the content for new people. Whereas mm-hmm. a Facebook is only going to show it to a portion of the, your followers. Yeah. It's very pay to play. Glow is talking about a thousand true fans. Once you find that on a platform, then you can help direct them not only to other platforms, but you can also help direct them to other interests, opportunities, even pivots to go back to something Glow said. Totally. Go back to other pivots where they will, like, maybe not all thousand, but they will happily follow you. Right. I have this concept of, like, this hourglass curve. If you picture an hourglass or for the coffee snobs in the listening <laughs> audience, the, the Chemex of influence, where it start, starts off at the top, like, really kind of high level. Like, a lot of creators, when they're getting started, they are not, unless you have a really clear idea, but in my experience, you don't always have a clear idea. Like I have a few things that I'm interested in that I would like to talk about. And I do think the, it is important at the beginning to just be as consistent as you can so that you stay out there. And you know, that can have some downstream effects of being on the hamster wheel of content, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But you need to create a volume of work, not just to practice for yourself. Ira Glass talk, talks about this and he had this like seminal moment talking about the gap between mastery and like just being a beginner. And when you're a beginner, you get started because you have good taste. Like Chloe Weaver today was talking yeah. about like, I had like a desire and I had this taste, but I couldn't quite cover the gap. But over you know five years, she goes from loader 
to focus polar and now she's dp and when she said chef's table like my i I love chef's table (laughs) like chef's table changed how i looked at food but it's that volume of work so it's okay to talk or write or podcast about a number of things make videos about a number of things just to see where is the convergence between what you're good at and what people are interested in hearing from you. Mm. And then you just kind of go down the funnel. So you kind of see like, all right, now I've got a top, I do have a niche or a niche. I say niche. I say niche. I think, yeah. So don't let glow hear us. I say niche because, and I think that's very Pat Flynn. I think that's from Pat saying like, the niches are in the riches. No, the riches are in the niches. You don't say the riches are in the niches. You would never say that. That sounds like a crazy person. But as you go down the funnel, that middle, that, you know, that middle of the hourglass is where you find that sweet spot between the topic that you do enjoy talking about. And there are enough people around to support you in that. And that's a really special thing. Now, a lot of people think that's where it stops, but for me, what I've realized is then, so you have one topic and you have your audience because that's what you have dialed in, but the more that you connect with that audience, I have found that I may make some like offhand comment in a video or a newsletter or something about something else that I'm interested in or just say like, oh, by the way, you know, had our third kid the other day and people are like, oh my, you know, like do you, I'm happy, like, do you have any advice for me as a parent? And I'm not going to start a parenting blog, but people who trust you in one thing for a long period of time will start to trust other pieces of advice and other topics and other topics or, you know, interests that you have. So then the funnel, it actually starts to widen out again. So it gets really, and then it starts to widen out again. And then eventually you get to a point where we can all think of people that, we follow that we trust that we've just seen perform and like provide value to us over time where it gets to a point where like i don't care what right you're doing right. i'll like i'm in what do you like <laughs> what are we talking about what do you want to do yeah what, what do, do you want to talk about <laughs> what i mean and, and it kind of gets to where like what do you want to sell me yeah all right well i may not buy everything but it's like you know it's just so, it's so interesting. And you can go through that. Sometimes you can go through that fun, that funnel faster than other times, but I found it really um, intriguing to see people go through that. Like musicians often go through this. It's kind of the, the, the most mainstream example that I use because, you know, uh, like my favorite band, favorite band is probably Mumford and Sons, you know, early 2010s folk Americana rock. And I was like really coming of age for me. And I was like really dialed into Mumford and Sons. Good show too. Yeah. 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 And so, um, they started, you know, they did their folk bluegrass and that's what I love. But then, you know, they got to start doing more and more rock. Hey, you know, is it, I'm just happy they're still making music. Like they could make a hip hop album. I don't think it would do very well, but I would listen. I just want them to stay together and keep making music. And if they get outside of like whatever they thought, like whatever I felt like their main niche or topic was, yeah, that's not for me to decide. I just want them to keep doing their thing. But you're saying you would get, you would go on the journey with them. Oh yeah. 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 As I just, I just want them to keep doing their thing. And so like, it's okay for me if they start like widening out, they're like, we want to try this different type of music. You see a lot of musicians do that. I mean, Taylor Swift did that, right? Yeah. 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 Started with her small country bass and then went to pop and 
She can yeah. make what I mean. She literally can. She can make any kind of music <laughs> she wants now, and that's like just to me, it's a perfect illustration of this concept that you know maybe she had started. She did start more with country. Obviously, I don't know if she was doing like, but I'm sure she practiced all kinds of different types yeah. of music early on. Of course, you're in you're in Nashville, then you know, you're probably going <laughs> to gravitate towards the country western. But yeah. <laughs> well, awesome, man. That's a great answer. Uh, final question. In the context of content creation, do you believe audio is the future and why? Mm. I believe that audio is a big part of the future, but I, I will add a little caveat to that. I'm very, you know, as a YouTuber, I'm very bullish on video, but I believe that having like quality audio and even having like that specific audio presence. So even if you are doing YouTube videos, like my friend Sean West, you know, helps podcasters and creators do this as well of like turning a video that you might record into like, well, that actually takes the, the audio that you record and turn that into videos. And lots of services are doing that now. And I, I love what Wave's doing because I, with the amount of time that, you know, people for better, or for worse, we're, you know, connected to our phones and we're in, we're in cars and we're traveling and we're, you know, doing dishes and we're out for walks and we can't always and shouldn't always be looking at our phones. And so <laughs> to have like that audio presence, I do believe is the future. And there's something like you know, video has this as well. Certainly audio and video are inextricably linked together. I agree. But to have like I some of the people, some of the creators that I feel the most connected to and do, uh, engage with the most are people that have podcasts yeah. and I'm not even necessarily like looking at them on video. Some of them have video elements, but I'm, I'm way more likely I listen to, even as a YouTuber, I listen, I don't know if this says much for me as a YouTuber, we but will. I listen to more, way more podcasts than I do watch YouTube videos. And some of that is just timing. Like I don't always have time. I've got three young kids, right. you know, yeah, you gotta be multitasking. <laughs> not, right. Yeah. And so, but I can make dinner and I can listen to a podcast. We can Absolutely. like, you know, they, they'll be on their scooters, like 20 feet in front of me. I'm walking the dog, sweet old dog. She can't hustle like that anymore. And I'm just, you know, listen to a pod. So, and what's interesting, we, we talked about this on another episode, uh, is the prevalence of people that listen to YouTube channels. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a visual Again, there, yeah. but they're just listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so much like, and I'm kind of in this space as a, as a YouTuber, I guess I do have visual elements when I'm talking about, I talk a lot about bullet journaling and note taking. So there's the visual element of looking at the layout, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of people like, I mean, I love the way that Ali Abdal and Matt Diavella shoot their videos, like their level of artistry and right, in right. their shots are so good. But at the same time, a lot of what they're saying, I don't necessarily need to see what <laughs> right. they're saying, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so like, I'll, I'll listen to both of them, like as if they were a podcast. And so, uh, it's, it's really special. The other thing that I like is like from a, from a podcast perspective, even though it does take equipment and time and artistry to like make something really quality. For most people, it's still way lower than doing something with video. Right. I mean, like, don't even get me started on lighting. My God. <laughs> and yeah. I can, but I can record a podcast with, you know, 
yep. a good mic and a zoom or, you know, it doesn't even have to be all of that. Right. I can record a good podcast, you know, after the kids go to bed get yep. a little, get a little juice in me <laughs> and start recording. And yeah, you know, I'm, I don't, even I like having a pretty good YouTube setup. I don't you know feel great about my 10 PM YouTube lighting kit, <laughs> but I can like, I can hit record, I can be in my studio and I can, I can get going on audio. And so I think that that element is great for creators as well. Yeah. I was also thinking from this question about the uh, future of audio interfaces where you have the Alexa or any of the at home listening devices where you're speaking to it to get you to pull up content. Right. So it's like pull up the Matt Raglan YouTube channel and it just starts playing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like show me the latest episode. So you're already audio consuming it, but then audio driving it. Right. So, um, that's kind of an interesting thing. And I know, uh, folks like Gary V have said oh, yeah. as much, mm-hmm. um, even when you're ordering, like order me some, you know, whatever brand of whatever, and it just comes and you, you SEO wise or however you're optimizing Amazon or wherever you're ordering right. from, you want to be that first one that comes through. Super interesting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, well, anyway, this has been super fun and I'm super glad. Oh you yeah. Came. Thanks for pulling me aside. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah.